Um, I feel, it feels good to be back. Uh, it feels good to be kind of, yeah, it feels good to sing. And um, again, this time of year always feels like a restart for me, uh, for a lot of us with school going back and uh, I've been praying for all the parents <laughs> this week. Um, and I, I do feel like we're officially back because I'm, I am wearing my uh, official vineyard clergy outfit, uh, flannel and my jeans and my blundstones. So I think we're man of the cloth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it feels official now that I'm wearing that. Um, yeah, so it's good to see everybody. And uh, I just want to say also a quick thanks to all of our storytellers that we had uh, this past summer. Uh, those of you who may have missed it, we just had different people from our community share their, their story and what God uh, has done in their life or is doing in their life. And I had some people come up to me afterwards and to say how meaningful that's been for them just to get to know people in our community. And one of the things that uh, we found when, before John Paul left, you know, actually having meaningful, deep relationships with one another was, was kind of our um, lowest grade, I'll say. And so I feel like having that time was just really nice so we actually can start to build a foundation for, uh, you know, actually getting to know one another. So uh, huge thanks to all of you uh, for, for being a part of that. Uh, I am also very excited about this coming uh, season because we're going to I just feel good, uh, not because of uh, the coffee I drank this morning, but um, I, just, I really believe that uh, God has something for us in this next chapter. Uh, I really believe that uh, we're moving into a season that is, I'm, I'm excited about. So we're starting a series this right now called Vim and Vigor. Has anyone ever heard of that before, that phrase? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good phrase. Vim, vim and Vigor. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it means, but it sounds great. Um, I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, I was uh, in the car with somebody one day, and uh, we were driving along. I was not driving. They were driving. And very, this person is very calm, very peaceful, very um, just mindful of other surroundings type of person. You can picture somebody in your mind like that. And I remember driving along, and somebody almost hit us, like cut us off. Now, in that moment, like I was a little scared, I was a little shaken up, but uh, this calm, peaceful person went from calm and peaceful to something else, the opposite of that. And it, it was, you know, lots of yelling, some, a few choice words. Um, it just, it just, it, the, his reaction was more terrifying than almost getting hit by the, the vehicle. And some of you can probably have had a moment like that where you've experienced that with somebody else, uh, or maybe you have experienced, experienced it yourself. Have you ever done something, had a natural reaction to something where it, you almost like scared yourself? We're like, oh my goodness, like where, where did that come from? Like at one moment you're nice and pleasant, and the next moment you're, you know, it's Jekyll and Hyde, right? And those are terrifying moments for a lot of different reasons, but one of it is, is those moments reveal something in us, don't they? They reveal what's going on actually underneath our skin at a deeper level that you know, we don't normally see maybe, but we know it's there and it just comes out like a ferocious, ravenous, Rossé raccoon. Um, they exist. I, I've learned that now that I live in Rossé, I've learned that. And it's, so it's, it's, it's terrifying for us, right? It scares us. We scare ourselves because there's something going on uh, deep down inside. 
when difficult times hit us, our reactions end up being a revelation of what's actually happening at our heart level, at a deeper level. Now, I don't mean an actual heart, those of you who haven't got that yet, uh, but we're talking about the deeper inner being of us, right? Dallas Willard, one of the greatest people of all time in our, uh, no, I shouldn't say that, that's a little too much maybe, but he's one of the greatest philosophers, philosophers I think, theologians, teachers, all that stuff, uh, would argue that the spirit, our heart, uh, the will, that's all kind of one thing. Okay, so we're talking about heart, we're talking about spirit, we're talking about will, we're talking about the innermost, deepest part of the human being. I want to preface my sermon and really the rest of the, rest of the year by saying I used to get very annoyed with Tyler. You guys remember Tyler Johnson? I used to get really annoyed with him because he would just, he would quote Willard all the time. And it, just, it would annoy me so much. So I'm going to say right now, I apologize uh, in advance. Scripture, if you spend any time in the Bible at all, uh, you will see that Scripture also deals with the heart over and over again. When you read Scripture, the heart, the inner being of, of a human being is, is really, uh, it's all throughout Scripture. It's really important to God when we, when we read the Bible and that he cares about what's going on underneath. In the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mark seven fifteen, the things which proceed out of the man or woman are what defile the man. For from within, out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, acts of sexual morality, immorality, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of covenant and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. A lot going on <laughs> at, at the innermost being of our hearts, souls, wills. 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, but man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? The heart. Proverbs 4, 20 to 23, keep the words of God's wisdom in the midst of your heart. And that from there, their life to those who find them and health to all their body. But then the second part comes in, the exhortation, if you will. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Scripture reveals to us that the heart, our inner being, is really, really, really important. And I might be like, you're all sitting there thinking, yeah, yeah, that's why we're here. <laughs> but sometimes I think we tend to forget the importance of what's happening underneath. We can see from Scripture that Jesus himself really cares about what's going on underneath too. I mean, that's really, I mean, Jesus' whole teachings, he, he commands us to do things, but he always goes back to the heart of what he's teaching, right? He wants, he's trying to form something at a deeper level, not just don't do something, but I actually want you to not want to do something. There's a heart level going on there. He cares about it. Jesus knows that if our inward beings, our hearts, our wills, our spirit, if that changes, it will in turn affect how we act on the outside. Right? The whole cause and effect thing. If 
we target the heart and get to the heart of the matter, then the, it, it, it informs everything else that we do. Jesus shows us that over and over again. It shows us how we, by targeting a heart, by forming the heart, it, it affects how we treat ourselves, how we treat others, how we, how we even respond to God himself. Uh, in church, we use a phrase, uh, I'm not sure if we use it a whole lot here, but I think we have. Uh, the phrase is called spiritual formation. Ever heard that phrase before? Spiritual formation. What is spiritual formation? It's, a process, it's the process of transforming your heart, your spirit, your will to be the same as Jesus Christ. So the inward things match Jesus. Jesus is inward things, if you will. That's spiritual formation. Because here's the thing with spiritual formation. If our heart is lined up and is formed in the same way that Jesus' heart is formed, guess what's happened when that, when that person's going to cut you off? Guess what's going to happen? Your natural reaction is going to be very different than my friend's. Everything you do, your natural reaction to everything will change. And what's freeing and exciting about that is if you get to that point, you're not thinking about it. You're not trying to do it, but your heart has been so formed into the likeness of Christ that without thinking, you do the things that Jesus did. That sounds, at first, you think about that, it sounds like a lot of work. But imagine the freedom that you would have without even thinking about it, where it actually, actually doesn't become work anymore. Again, I apologize beforehand, but Willard defines formation as the, pro- as the process by which those who are, are Jesus' apprentices or disciples come easily to do, and to quote Jesus himself, to do all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So in, in the Great Commission, Jesus says, go and teach them to do all the things I've commanded you to do. And the good news is that Scripture actually lays out for us a bit of a process. So, um, like some of you, some of you don't like process, and that's great. You're a different type of person. Uh, I like pro- like to see how, how am I getting from A to B, and what are the steps we're going to take to get to there. And I, I feel much more comfortable tackling something when I can see the process. And so Scripture, luckily, gives us some process. All throughout Scripture, there's different ones. But Second Peter 1, 4-7 says this. This is the progression. Now, since you've become part- partakers of the divine nature, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, in your perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, it ends with what? Love. And what's fascinating about that is this and many other verses, scripture passages in the, in the Bible, is that those processes, those, those progressions that we see, they always end in love. That's, that's the outcome, is love. Corinthians 13, right? Well, all these different things, but in the end, it's love. Now, again, when you look at, when you listen to that verse, there's a lot going on there. So I've got to do this, do this, this, and this, nor, you know, knowledge and perseverance and brotherly kindness and 
All these things kind of add up. What I want us to notice in that verse, and in the verse I talked about earlier on in Proverbs, is the, the role that we play in this. The actions that we take part in when it comes to the formation of our hearts. Again, when you go back to the Proverbs 4.20, it says, watch over your heart. That, that implies that that's your job. That implies that you have responsibility. That's an active thing that you do. Watch over your heart. Oh, we're going to look at Matthew, uh, I have it on the screen, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. I'm just going to read this to you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I, I love that scripture. Because it, it shares a bit of a funny paradox for us. It highlights it. Uh, anyone here feeling burnt out at all? Oh, I, oh, thank you for your honesty. Uh, that's great. Maybe feeling anxiety? Maybe when Kerr said, go find someone new <laughs> and talk to them? Oh, jeez. <laughs> maybe something else going on in your life, you're feeling anxious? Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed. School started this week. That can be very, Colleen's raising her hand. Yeah. 100%. There's so much going on. Like, we, I took my kids to the bus stop, and so the whole mask situation is always flip-flopping, and they got on, they got to the bus stop, and like, oh, we don't, we don't have masks. And so that's not a big deal, but like, those are these, these small things that have, happened to us over the last year and a half, and we just feel overwhelmed by it all, right? Yeah, 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 it's, 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 it's natural, natural beard, yeah. Filters right through. So I think it's fair to say that we, uh, a lot of us have felt, or are still feeling overwhelmed, feeling anxious about things, feeling tired. And sometimes, for a lot of us, yeah, like, you know, we, we feel tired, like physically tired. But we also recognize there's something deeper going on inside than just the physical tiredness. We can't quite pinpoint what that thing is, but we know at the heart of who we are, we're longing for something, we're hurting for something, we're missing something. For some of us, you know, this morning when Kurt said go and talk to everybody, like that was, I found my, my natural reaction, and some of you I can see right now, my natural reaction in that point was pretty emotional to see everyone kind of just chatting again like that. Because there's been a longing for community that I'm recognizing in my heart. Some of you have been feeling that. In this verse, Jesus says, what he's saying to us is that he can give your heart, your innermost being, the rest that it needs, all that it needs. And 
and can fulfill all the things that you are longing for right now. At a deep level. Jesus, Jesus said, I can do that. I will give your soul rest. Not just nap time. Those are nice. We all need nap times for our soul. But I can give you something better than that. But here's the funny thing. Anyone, anyone know what a yoke is? Most of you say yes, but just, I'm just going to describe a yoke to you. But a yoke is a big old wooden thing, right? And it goes on the backs and the necks, I guess, backs, necks, of different animals, right? Ox, usually ox. So they can pull the plow behind them. And usually uh, uh, a yoke has two slots. So you have two ox going at the same time, right? It's not just one ox. What's fascinating about this verse is that Jesus says he doesn't take away the yoke. That's what I love about this verse. It's like he, uh, he's not taking away the yoke. You think, oh man, I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling exhausted. My heart is longing for something more and I need rest. And I need all these things. And you think, like, Jesus, come on, like, take away the yoke. I, see, I, I don't need a yoke right now. But instead he gives us his yoke, which is easy. And it's so confusing for us. He's like, why would I need a yoke to get rest? Why do I need to like think about moving forward and taking steps and taking action in order to get rest for my soul, to get fulfillment for my soul? It's an odd thing. But you think about it, when you Think of yourself getting buckled into that yoke. Pretend you're an ox for a second. And you know that you have somebody beside you also pulling that yoke with you. And that's Jesus. It, it, it makes things a little different, doesn't it? Knowing that Jesus is pulling that yoke with you. And along the way, you begin to discover, oh, if, if I take this step and this step and this step, if I, if I do these things... I actually find rest in my soul. Not just cut out and say, I'm done, but to work towards it, something else different happens. It's a weird tension. One of the most challenging tensions for us to reconcile sometimes is what is God's responsibility and our responsibility for our spiritual formation? It's a really difficult thing to manage. What's my role and what's God's role? Because in Scripture, it's clear that there's a bit of a both and. And some of us, we get scared, right? Where if I say, okay, we got to do all these things that Jesus did, well, that turns into a works-based gospel. Well, you have to earn your salvation. You have to earn to be loved by Jesus. No, 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 no. We don't, we're not saying that. On the flip side, some of us may sit back, and what I heard this week from somebody, experience greasy grace. <laughs> I've heard that before. We take on some greasy grace. What that means is I get to sit back. I'm saved by grace, so I can just chill and sit back and not pull any yoke. I don't need to do anything. I'm good. I'm saved by grace. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's go home. Andrew, say a few words to me on Sunday morning, and let's call it a day. And that's the other side of the spectrum. And we all 
we can't escape it. We all, each and every one of us, naturally tend to land on that spectrum somewhere. We all do. Either we work really hard or we don't work at all <laughs> towards our spiritual formation. I'm not going to get into the major history of this, but it's fascinating to read the history of spiritual formation over the years. Ever since World War II, post-World War II, the evangelical culture has been, let's, let's just sit, come in, like we're doing right now, sit down, and the pastor's going to preach to you, and that will be your formation. There's scripture being said, scripture changes lives, it, and it does, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying here. It's important. But that's, that's been the, the, the go-to for, for formation. I preach to you, we go home, and that's it. That's been the ongoing, and in, in some ways it's kind of worked, in, in, in some ways. And that's been the go-to for our formation. But what that has done, though, is that it's made spiritual formation, and you putting the yoke on, and moving forward with Jesus as an option. It's made it optional for you to care about what's going on underneath your heart, underneath your skin. It's optional to be an apprentice that lives in such a way that you naturally do the things that Jesus did. It's optional to intentionally put yourself in the way of the things that will form your heart. And instead, we can now be Christians forever without becoming a disciple. Ooh. I know this is like the kickoff Sunday, and you should be all happy, and I hope you are happy and excited, but that's a hard thing to hear. It's optional. We can be a Christian forever, but, being a, but make being an apprentice and learning the habits of Jesus an option. Some of us are twitching right now because, like, into what you're saying, like, we, do we, we have to do more things? Is that what you're saying? We have to, do more, we have to work towards this? And, and you're asking me to do more, more, more? Hold on. I think one of the reasons why we see more, more, more and more people falling away from church, from what's happening here in churches across, I mean, COVID is part of it for sure. But I think also we have failed to address the human longing for something more. The actual formation of what's happening underneath the heart. And not just from a, here's some scripture, but your whole self, your whole body is involved in that. The search for deep spiritual formation is what fuels the Oprah movement. It's not just us here. It's the whole world is longing for that. For something to change on the inside of what is going on in their hearts. It's, it's the human desire. So in the end, people look for ways to fill that formation in different ways. And the human spirit is our, our hearts. We are so hungry for this that we are willing to kill ourselves over it. To, to consume the things that will actually hurt us and harm us in the end because we're so hungry for something to change in our hearts. In a world that's so hungry for deeper transformation, a church that's looking for deeper transformation, 
And though it's a very important part of the journey, we have to look beyond just me giving some scripture on Sunday morning for true transformation to happen. Because the formation of your heart involves all of you, not just listening. It involves creating intentional conditions for growth in your life so that you can grow and become more like Jesus in a way that you naturally react in a way that you just can't right now with ease. So the question is, we know that true transformation comes from targeting our heart first. To transform the heart takes God at work. And as an apprentice of Jesus, there's also my responsibility in all this. To do the things that Jesus did. And we've established that spiritual formation, the transforming our hearts, lead us as an apprentice of Jesus to naturally do the things Jesus commanded us to do. Can you imagine just for a second what your life would actually look like if it naturally did the things that Jesus did? Like, can you, have you actually, actually imagined that? Like, not just like a ha-ha side note. But have you actually taken the time to, to stop and think and reflect, what would I do? What would my life look like if it actually, if I naturally reacted in the same way Jesus did in my life? Have you ever had that vision for yourself? And why is it that we don't make it our goal to do the things that Jesus did to the point where they're natural? Laziness, it could be fear, it could be burnout, you're so tired. Here's the thing, two things. A lot of us, I think, just don't think it's possible that we actually can do all the things that Jesus commanded us to do. We just don't think it's possible. That Jesus models a life for us in a way that it says, you know what, I can't do this as we come, essentially we come crawling back to him. That's why Jesus did that. Jesus showed us how to live perfectly so we could just see that we can't do it. Another reason why I think is we love us, we, we try to copy Jesus. There's a reason why we, we don't pursue this more is because we try to copy Jesus. We thought if we just live and love like Jesus and just do more of the things that Jesus did, we'll have the same life of Jesus, and that, that will change us. But in the end, what happens is we end up getting burnt out. We just get burnt out. We just do more of the same, and we get burnt out. Here's a couple of secrets I want to leave you with. Not secrets, surprises. I want to leave you with <laughs> this morning. I can tell you with complete confidence now, I only have a BA in religion, so take that with a grain of salt. But I can tell you with complete confidence that each and every one of you can do the things that Jesus did naturally. You can. All of it. There's actually a real possibility that the love that we see in 1 Corinthians 13 can actually be present in your heart. That's a reality. But here's the other secret, surprise. You can do all the things that Jesus did, but you have to do the things that Jesus did the right way. Some of you are like, whoa, 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 Andrew, like, that sounds weird. 
It's a certain way to do things. Because it's not about just doing more of the same thing or just trying to do it better. We have to do the, the things the right way. So, I wouldn't know this from experience, but when you go to a personal trainer for exercise, the first thing they do, they don't just throw you out in the gym. They say, start pumping iron, start doing your cardio. The first thing they do is they sit you down, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, and they, they have you make a plan. They actually have you think about what is it, are your goals, what do you want to do, and how are you going to do it? They don't say, all right, now get out there and just do more of the same. No, there's, a, there's a, that whole idea of work smarter, not harder concept that applies, I think, to our spiritual formation. So, the work of spiritual formation as an apprentice of Jesus is no different than when we think about exercise and getting a personal trainer and, and thinking through this stuff strategically, thinking of the process, and doing the right things, not just more things. So for the next little while, we're going to break that down. We're actually, every single week, we're going to talk about the process. We're actually going to talk about what are some right, good first steps for you as an apprentice of Jesus to begin to see your heart begin to line up and be formed more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So in the end, when you get cut off, or the next time you put your kids to bed and they won't go to bed, or whatever it may be, your natural reaction will be the ones that line up with Jesus Christ himself. It is possible. So here's, here's a slide. Uh, here's what we're going to do the next three, three weeks. This is where my vim and vigor come from. Dallas Willard, again, I'm sorry, but uh, he came up with this. Nothing to do with vigor, but uh, sorry, the, the next one, the, the vim. So when you think about this, think of vim and vigor. We're going to talk about a vision. We're going to talk about your intention. We're going to talk about your means. Again, put in the same framework as exercise. What is your vision? Where do you want to go with this? How do you see yourself being more like Jesus? What's your intention? Are you actually in? Are you, do you want to do this? Do I want to work at this? And then your means. How are you actually going to complete that, mission, that vision? What are the things you're going to put in, your place, in place in your life, the things that Jesus did, the yoke in your life, in order to actually fulfill the vision that you have to be formed more like Jesus? So every week we're going to break one of these down. We're going to talk about this. And this will be um, what we do kind of moving forward. We're going to take a few moments now. Uh, in the vineyard world, I'm learning there's a phrase called ministry time. But we haven't done it in a long time. We're going to do that here before we close up. And so one of the privileges and works of the church is that we get to take time to actually pray for one another. And I, I tell you what, if we think having meaningful relationships is, is one of our lower grades, <laughs> this is a great time to boost that grade up. <laughs> so what we're going to do right now is this. You see some things on the screen here. And what I want you to do is, as you feel comfortable, I, I really encourage you, if, if you can, find some people that you know. You can be right next to you. You can go across the room. I don't care. And I want you to take time 
to sit with one another and ask how you can pray for one another. If you, nothing comes up and you don't feel comfortable praying about something personal, here's some things that we can be praying about corporately as well. You can be praying about in your group. If you don't want to pray with anyone in a group right now, let's say you're new and just trying to feel things out, you just sit right there. Or you can go. This is kind of an open-ended thing at the end. But not too open-ended that you're all going to leave. Those of you I'm looking at right now. Right? So we're going to take time to do that right now. And uh, Kirk's going to keep playing in the background. And yes, yeah, go find somebody, find some people to pray with.